everyone. To the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, of course, for the sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, January the 30th, 2018, as we record this show. Um, Virginia has a basketball game on our normally, on our normally, on our normal night, uh, so we, we get to record early um, and talk about why I will never be going back to Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, to cover the to cover the who's again. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Up in uh, Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How are you, buddy? It's good as always, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is back from Durham. Um, I hope he's been back for a couple of days. Uh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, trying to avoid this flu, man. Um, <laughs> at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, so we were we were just joking around. Uh, Ferber has a new microphone. Um, there was some 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 random hip, uh, randomness of him whispering test into the microphone all creepily. Um, and we were joking about uh, what he thought of Cameron Indoor. And at one point he said, "Why are we not recording this?" And I literally was like, "Okay, let's go." So Ferber. Um, Tell the people what I'm sure that they want to hear, which is uh, how much you enjoyed Cameron and why you are now the exclusive Cavs Corner uh, correspondent in Durham. Um, I, does it, do you think that applies? I've seen a, I've seen a, I've seen UVA win a football game in Durham, right? That happened once, right? 2015, that happened, right? That, yeah, 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 you were there. All right, I was there. Okay, good. So at least you're the Cameron correspondent for Cavs Corner. Was it everything you had hoped it would be and more? I mean, if the result had gone the other way, it probably wouldn't have been. Uh, it was still a great experience. Um, I've been to Cameron before. Uh, it was kind of it was it was more different this time than I was imagining it would be because um, last time it was for a game over a you know a holiday break against a not very good team. So the interest level wasn't there. The students that were there weren't that loud. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but no, this was awesome. Um, you know, one of my big takeaways would be, uh, I think you have to appreciate the, what the Duke students go through to go to these games. I mean, they were lined up. The people behind me were lined up for four days um, to get into the game. And obviously they, they do shifts with groups of people and stuff like that. Um, but they they line up you know, for four days to stand in the most cramped, like fire hazardy type situation you could possibly be in. It's definitely like the most unique setup of any arena and in, in probably in college sports. Um, and, uh, you know, they were very, very loud. Um, and obviously UVA did a great job of taking them out of the game at times, which was awesome. It was a really highly, you know, well-played game. Um, really fun to watch. Uh, you know, not the most comfortable place on media row, but I don't want people to think I'm complaining because it was definitely an, uh, an experience that I wouldn't <laughs> trade away. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was a great, great experience. Um, it was kind of cool. Like talking with some of the students on the way out of there afterwards and they're just incredulousness at Ty Jerome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a great time. When, um, when you, when you, you said something to me, or I guess in our text thread about, because uh, I wrote that column Monday, you know, like that was the first time since Greensboro that I that I really felt like they had, I don't want to say achieved something, but like something important had happened. And you said you had had that similar feeling. Before 
Jerome hit that shot in the building, what was the feeling like for you? Like your 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 gut is typically the thing that I trust the most when it when we get to a venue. Um, if you're not feeling it, I, I start to prepare myself for a board meltdown. What was what was your what was your vibe those last couple minutes before that specific shot? Yeah, I mean, I, I picked Duke to win the game. So when it started to kind of go the way it was in the second half, it kind of made sense to me. I, I was like, well, you know, this is kind of what we thought would happen. And uh, not a huge surprise. Duke's obviously a very talented team. You know, we asked Kyle after the game, you know, what they thought during that run, um, you know, that Duke made in the second half. And, and he kind of laughed and just said, huh, only thing I thought was that they're just a really good team. Um, but, yeah, I mean – it was a hell of a run by them to get back in the game and, and they made some big plays. And obviously I think they caught some breaks both with officiating and, you know, the bounce of the ball, you know, accidentally making a three. I'd say the environment in the building was, I think the fans were very confident that they were going to come back and win. Um, when they cut it to 60 to 58 on the dunk from Bagley, I think there was a sense of, all right, we just need to get one more stop and uh, we're going to get out of here. Um, and UVA, they got the stop. I mean, Kyle got missed the three. And then Tr- Trayvon Duval kind of made a, a stupid play, honestly. It was a freshman mistake trying to lob the ball down the court into traffic. And it, it cost them uh, dearly, maybe the game. Um, and, it, you know, it was it was definitely a tense environment. It was very, very loud. Probably the loudest uh, arena I've ever been in for where I was sitting. Um, obviously at JPJ, we're not courtside, so it's not quite as loud, but it is very loud. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was intense. It was a very intense environment. It felt like a, a March type game. Um, I would kind of, uh, compare the shot that Ty made to the one that Joe made in the, uh, ACC championship game against Duke, where it was kind of like back and forth and it felt like it could go one way or the other. And then that shot kind of changed the, altered the course of the game. Um, when he made that shot, you could feel the air come out. Um, it, I mean, it was, it was clear and obviously the game wasn't over. There were still 30 something seconds left, but, uh, Duke's offense kind of like frantically got the ball off the court. Um, and UVA was already settled back into their defense and you could tell just looking at the bench and the players on the court that they knew they just needed to get one more stop and, and a five point lead with 30 seconds left would be hard for Duke to overcome. And when Bagley's three missed and went out of bounds, uh, I think, you definitely saw like an exhale from the players and, and they were fired up. Obviously there was a lot of basketball left to be played at that point, but you could tell that there was a, we got this now kind of a feeling. And uh, the only, only other thing I want to mention, I know I've been kind of rambling here, but um, is that from the moment I walked into the gym and saw the UVA players warming up, it felt, I mean, I never covered a UVA game at Cameron, so I don't know what the mood of the team was for those games, but it, it felt like just another game to those guys. And they were, if, if they were not afraid of the spotlight or the arena um, and everything that came with that, you could tell that they were just loose. And I think that's one of the defining qualities of this team. They just don't care. Like this team, they, they just have that swagger or whatever you want to call it that they just don't, they're not going to back down from anything. And like, you know, they're the, all the students are singing that every time we touch song before the, the, national national anthem before the game and you know you look at the players and instead of kind of standing there that you know Nigel Johnson's looking in the crowd smiling like you know how cool is this kind of and then you know Ty Jerome's like singing along with the song and you could tell they were just they were they were embracing the moment rather than 
trying to avoid it. And I think that was a big difference in how they played from the start to finish. One one thing I think is cool, <clears throat> and I'm going to try to explain this because in my head it makes sense, but I don't know once I once I say it out loud. But like, there is a a certain allure, right? A certain um, I don't want to call it say pageantry, but there's something about Cameron. I remember the first time I went, and I know plenty of people out there hate Duke, and I'm not trying to ask you not to. But, like, I remember the first time I went, and there's, like, the national championship trophies, and, like, I remember there was, like, a bathroom and had carpet in it, which I thought was, like, the weirdest thing ever. But, like, it just feels like some really special stuff has happened there, right? It just has this feeling of, like, his, there's a feeling of history. Like, Cameron feels sort of like UVA does, in just in a different way. And I realize I just made a comparison between UVA and y'all are going to, like you know, come with at me with like pitchforks and stuff. But anyway, my, it's different my, than every other place I've ever been. Right. I yeah. Mean, yeah. There's no other building like it. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing out there even remotely close. And so like Cameron is going to like for, for the, for Ty and Kyle, those guys, like this was their first time there. And yeah, this was a big game for them because this was an opportunity to play a team full of NBA, you know, future NBA pros and everything. But it was also like the, that building has a lot of, a, a lot of juice and, I mean, it's a gorgeous place. It's got, you know, uh, I know that there, for a lot of people it's not their speed, but, like, with you as a player, you can both handle the fact that, hey, man, this is really cool, and also go out there and handle your business. I really believe, and I'm not trying to overhype this one game. I'm, not, I'm really not, but it was my – it was for me, for me, it was the way they responded. They were up 12, they go down four, and that you just – you would not have known watching them. You know, you would not have known from their body language, from the shots that they took, from the way that they took them. They didn't seem hesitant. They didn't seem, you know, there were a couple of times maybe where Isaiah was at the free throw line and he wasn't really sure whether he wanted to queue up another one. But other than that, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they both seem to, like, have this cool balance between, um, hey, this is a really, this is really fun to be here and, and have this opportunity. And this is a, this is a big game. And also, you know, as, uh, as cool as a cucumber, just go out there and do their thing. I I thought for a Virginia team to not seem rattled in any of those moments was a significant step in the right direction. What do you think, Dave? I mean, as the guy who had the, the least enjoyable game experience of the three of us, just because of life and such. I mean, so yeah, you, you got to explain. Yeah, you, yeah, explain you had Ferber people. like sitting courtside enjoying every second of this Brad at home watching it. And, um, I, due to some employee issues, ended up working and only being able to check text messages every 10 or 15 minutes. So I, I knew what was going on in the game because I couldn't not know. Um, but I only got to watch the final two minutes uh, of the game live. I didn't get to go back and watch it until after the the baseball event at JPJ that night. So it was like 1030 when I started watching the game. And when I sat down to watch the game, knowing the outcome, it kind of just reminded me of how daunting Cameron has been to Virginia. Like knowing the outcome, I was still nervous watching that game. And it's, you know, that sounds stupid, but it's just that place has been a house of horrors for UVA basketball and many other teams. Um, you know, it's one thing, it's a unique venue and the students are very engaged, but you know, it's not like you're rolling in there playing a bad team. You know, those teams have been extremely good. Um, and recently, as as Virginia has had success, you know Duke Duke has shown a, a propensity to kind of let down against non elite, you know, non team teams that don't threaten them before the game, 
um, and Virginia's reached a point where you're going to, you're going to get attention of a program like Duke. So watching it, um, it was spectacular. I was kind of reminded of our last podcast, uh, as I was, as I was watching the first half and early in the second, when I think it was Devin hit that three to put us up, uh, was it 12 or 13? We went up with that shot. 13 13 yeah so we were actually up 13 yeah i mean it, that was the one time i kind of thought they might actually blow them out <laughs> i yeah. was like this is not good for duke they they dropped into a zone and then immediately gave up a wide open three yeah and and at that point i kind of reminded what we were talking about i was reminding of what we talked about in the last podcast that you know i didn't feel like virginia losing the game would would say anything bad about the team unless it was a blowout um but then when they got up 13 it kind of hit me like you know this would probably be, you know, blowing that lead given, you know, the lead eight and everything else. Maybe that's not great for the, maybe not the team psyche, but certainly the fan psyche. Um, but you're right, man. The, um, the intestinal fortitude the team showed, and it goes back to something else we've discussed earlier, just the attitude and egos. And I don't mean that in a bad way either, but the attitude and the ego of some of the guys on this team, like Tyle, uh, Ty, Tyle, that's their name now, Ty and Kyle, um, those juicers aren't afraid of the shot. And, you know, granted Duke made a run, but I mean, if you go back, Brad, I was reading your uh, rewatch piece today and it kind of echoed what I texted you guys when I did one of my three rewatches this week. Like, when Duke made that run, Virginia was playing pretty good offense. You know, they had maybe two, three questionable sh- yeah, possessions there during that run. But they just missed shots. I mean, Virginia had hit 40% of those shots. They might have been leading by 16 or 17 going into the final 10 minutes. So it was overall a great effort. And, you know, that sh- the the shot Kyle took and missed up 60 to 58 was a great look and, you know, a great shot. And then, obviously, uh, you know, the, the similarities between Ty's kind of fake pass three to – shut the place up and what Joe did in the ACC tournament against him. Well, a little bit different. Um, that's exactly what it reminded me I honestly too. have not thought about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could see um, – I was talking about this with Waldorf, um a couple of days ago. And, you know, Joe, when, when you were in your stands, you could see Joe, like, breaking open and waving for the ball. Like, you knew if he caught it, he was going to shoot it. Um and Ty, not until after he shot it, when you start to think back, oh God, he did that same move earlier in the half. And you can, when you go back and watch it, you can see him kind of dribble up two or three stop, you know, two or three steps, and he's just sizing up the his shot and like onions. The, the crazy thing, the crazy thing to me was you just mentioned that he did it before, um, and we we were actually talking about that before we came on air, but it was with like six minutes to go or something, and I think it gave UVA the lead. But in that one, Devin Hall was standing there, you know, like ready to take the pass, and he just shot it. Yeah. In this one, there was nobody there. Like yeah. there was no. He just did it anyway. And it was totally honestly, like a quarterback faking, like they're going to throw forever. the ball. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they do that thing when they're like they're clearly past the line of scrimmage and they're clearly not going to throw the ball, yeah. but they make the motion and the and you can't help the defender just jumps for no apparent reason. For one was thing, the closest UVA related person to that pass. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, and. And honestly, the thing is, like, and you probably know this, Brad, because you've been there, but like when you're sitting courtside, you have a pretty good feel for whether the ball is going to go in or not, or it's yeah. going to be close. And when yeah. you let it go, I was like, he made it. That's weird. <laughs> like, I, you could just tell, like, it was, it was online. It was, it was going to go in. And um, it made my, like, my, uh, Mike, my, my Joe Reed, he gone. 
The only one that fooled me during the entire game was Kyle had one that went in and out. Yeah. Um, and I thought that one was going to go in. But, yeah, I mean, the one in the corner, it was funny. That was a play that it was cool to be courtside for because um, the entire, like, Tony is, like, screaming for, I forget, it was Ty or, or Devin, um, to pass it to him. Like, they were, like, he was, like, stomping his feet. And everyone on the bench is, like, Kyle, 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 Kyle. And he's, like, clapping his hands trying to get the ball. And then when he finally got it, he made the three. Yeah. But it was just, like, I was, like, oh, he's wide open. Give him the ball. But I think, honestly, what you're trying to say, David, what I kind of said in a more polite way, is that this team just has balls. Like, <laughs> they just do. Like, you know, they, they're not afraid of the moment, or at least they haven't been so far. And, you know, I, I, I said it during the game. I was talking to you guys, and I was tweeting it and putting it on the board. They were running their offense even when they weren't making the shots, and they didn't seem rattled at all by the comeback. It was just kind of like, well, the shots aren't going in. And Tony did a good job. I think he deserves some credit as well for just getting them in the mental place to just keep going out there and, you know, keep just seeing, you know, go out there and run your stuff and see, you know, try to make one and then, you know, get some stops. And luckily they were able to get enough stops once Duke came back to, you know, to keep it close and then eventually make their run. And I think we haven't mentioned him yet, but DeAndre Hunter, man, he – he impacted that game. I mean, from the from the first moment he stepped yeah. on the court, yeah. they, they, getting Bagley away from the basket was both uh, tactically great for UVA from Tony Bennett's you know perspective of having him come out and guard uh, Hunter, and I think that's a big reason that Duke went to the zone was they yep. knew that that one on one matchup wasn't going to work. Yep, and and I, I think that that and it gave Hunter the confidence to get to the rim for the rest of the game, and hopefully he's he's okay health wise going forward, but. Huge impact from him in this game. Also, yeah, right. Marvin fact, Bagley is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I'll give you something to talk about because you you're you're well sourced in it. But I mean, I think one thing that we probably haven't talked enough about this year is Tony's like flexibility on offense. Yeah, like we're seeing so yeah. many different sets and uh-huh. plays. And you saw it Saturday. I mean, it, yeah, he he ran some stuff in this game that I honestly I haven't seen Virginia play much four out sort of stuff I mean when Duke was in that man early I mean they were they were picking them apart I mean they were basically I mean I, I broke it down the rewatch but they have that one set where ball is, is is in the middle of the zone and or excuse me middle middle of the court and Hall clears his man left to right and you've got one big pulled to the to the three-point line and like basically it's a two-man one half of the court um, either either the the guard has to, the the Duke guard has to either defend the three point line or he has to he has to defend the backup, but he can't do both. And I mean, I, I there was a lot of these little tweaks here and there. Um, I really like too. Later, once they decided um, once they decided to to go small, the way that they were moving the guards through the through the zone, I thought was an interesting tweak. And I wonder if that's going to be. Not that the Hunter offense against Syracuse wasn't important, but I wonder if you won't see him mix it up some so that the defense can't sort of sit on it. But, man, that kid has an ability to catch, hold, like catch, turn, and hold and just survey. Like so many guys get in that spot and they rush. But, like, he, he at times he, would, he just basically patiented his way into being open. You know what I'm saying? Like he basically just sort of allowed the game to, as the cliche says, to come to him. Like he just would catch and hold and wait for dudes to settle, and then he'd go do his thing. But the ability for him to get Bagley away from the basket, um, I thought was brilliant. Um, 
my only my only quibble with Tony in this game was just that he didn't bring uh, Dre back in um, earlier in the second half. There was a dead ball. I think I mentioned in the rewatch there was a dead ball and he didn't bring him in, and I thought he probably should have. But especially because Isaiah was scuffling there for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do we think? I mean, Ferber, you were you get with this game you get close to the action, so you can you see and hear more. You can see interactions more. I don't think Zay looks comfortable. He um, looked kind of. I mean, I'm not trying to. He he played meaningful minutes in this game, but I always I got the sense during the game and at halftime and and in the second half that he just seemed kind of like not himself um, on both ends on yeah. defense too, and just kind of like I think he's still kind of like figuring out the back or something. I don't know. Um, just kind of speculating, but even like during warmups, he didn't warm up like he was just standing under the basket uh, before the second mm-hmm. half, and I thought he was going to be out for the rest of the game, but. Also, getting the two fouls early, uh, you know, like that was big. I remember Tony, and by the way, we haven't really talked about this, but Tony was more engaged, I guess I'll say, than I've ever seen him in any game that I've ever covered. Um, But he, you know, like he looked at, I think it was Tim Nestor, and he picked up that second foul, which was cheap. And I think Tony knew how important that was. And he said, that's his second? Come on. Like, you can't call that for his second foul. Um and I think from there he just kind of I mean he he's still you know bring he's still a lift on the defensive end and he still provides a spark at times but I think that um yeah he just didn't have I mean those shots that he was getting were easy looks and he just usually makes those and you know on Saturday he didn't make them luckily it didn't cost him anything um I I just think that watching him move is he he's so reliant on his fluidity and his continuousness that there are definitely times where I think where he starts to move a little bit, and you can tell that he he's not comfortable. He's not able to do it the same way. Um, I expect that by the weekend he'll be fine, um, because he. I, I think that's one of those things where you a little bit of time passes, and he you know we know he's getting treatment constantly. I guess we should talk about um, just sort of the the big picture side of this of this win. I mean. Obviously, this was a big deal for this team. Um, it's funny because in the in the big scheme of things, like it, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but in the big scheme of things, like it's not like they they actually, you know, won the ACC. Uh, they put themselves in a position if they win uh, against Louisville to have a three game lead on the entire field, which I mean I can't remember the last time a team ran away with the regular season like this, but with so many different like tiebreakers and who they've beaten and stuff like it like they've all but locked it up um except for obviously you know the mathematical part of it what do we think this this win really does for them other than obviously it gives them a a boost in terms of momentum um it definitely gives me the sense that this is a team that can be special which is why you know i wrote the whole you know embrace the now uh thing um but dave what do you after seeing that game is your self spook, you know, knob turned all the way down? Like, how do you feel about this team as they go forward now? I don't know if it, it changed a whole lot how I feel about this team, but, um, you know, anytime you, it's one thing to have experience. It's another thing to have a successful experience to look back on. Um, like coaches all the time talk about, Hey, we lost a tough game. Like the West Virginia game. They keep talking about how, you know, playing that atmosphere helped them. Well, you know, that is a, there's truth to that, but having 
having a game where you played in a tough environment and won, had some adversity and won, helps you a lot more. Um, you know, it's just one more thing to fall back on. So for that reason, I, yeah, it helps a lot, helps a little bit with the team. Um, as far as the, you know, the ACC season, I was trying, I'm trying to pull it up, but I mean, I swear at this time last year, about the same time we played Duke, I feel like we were both, I think we had four losses in the conference and they had three and whoever lost that game is only going to be a game back of first. So it's a much different year. Um, I might be a game off there, but, um, it is certainly a much different year. Now I will say this and I don't, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but it was a great win as far as putting Duke a couple games down. But, um, if you turn around and lose to Louisville, Louisville at home, I don't know how much you gained with it. <laughs> That's kind of, yeah, I guess I am David Downer. Um, so you have quite but, the Midas touch there, Dave. Yeah, man, I do what I can. Uh, but you know, it's you put one team three games down. You know, if, assuming Virginia can hold, you know, we can hold court tomorrow night. The uh, you know that's a big a big jump for being three games up what, with ten games, eight games left. That's kind of tough. I mean, you get to the point where you can look Virginia. I was thinking about this today. We're nine and zero now. Um, if if we go, what? So we got nine games up. If we go six and three, we're going to finish the season fifteen and three, and I, I think some Virginia fans would probably be disappointed in that finish. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the difference between um, losing to Duke and losing to Louisville is I think Duke is a team that's much more capable of coming back and beating you, um, like in the race. I don't think Louisville can. Um, they might, they, you know, they could get within a game, and that would be big for them, and obviously a huge win, and disappointing for UVA to lose at home. But uh, I think that their back, the back end of their schedule is too tough for them to win the conference. So I'd rather have it go this way. But obviously, a lot of people would see it as a disappointment, like you said, to come off a win and lose one of these next two. I think both of these next two are going to be challenging, and mm-hmm. then Florida State next week as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the big picture thing, and, and I don't want to kind of, like, change the narrative that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, is, but, I mean, like, the amount of people around the country, fans, pundits, whatever, that are kind of like, oh, UVA, better than we thought. Or, like, <laughs> even though they were ranked number two, it still felt yeah. like, well, they'll lose to Duke, and they're still fine, yeah. they're good. But now it's like, oh, they went in there and won. And my big takeaway, I, I was telling somebody when we left the arena, I was like, my biggest takeaway from this today is that this team can go anywhere and beat anybody. Yeah. Um, and I didn't necessarily feel that way with every UVA team in the last few years. Um, like last year, I didn't feel that way. 2016, it, it felt like they could, but you know, this is like, if you can beat this Duke team, which I think is damn good, um, their bigs are so good, and their guards, you know, maybe a little inconsistent, maybe not the best defenders, but those guys can score, and you know, Grayson Allen had a very off game and they were still in the game and he had an off game from a number of different perspectives. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's a good team. And in that environment where Duke, they were fired up to play that game just like UVA was. And um, to go in there and win, that shows that they can beat any team anywhere, I think. And the, and the sky is the limit for this team. But you always have to keep in mind that, you know, if you tie the success of the program to what happens in March, which is fine, um, it's a single game elimination tournament and obviously they're not an unbeatable team either. So, uh, just enjoy the ride, I guess I would say. One thing I do, I, I was thinking about, 
was I think sometimes we've talked about this before, right? That that really what teams ought to do offensively against the pack line is is not necessarily take the very first shot, but essentially always be aggressive to go quick. Because if you let them set up, you're just the shots you're going to get eventually are never going to be any better than the shots you already had. Um, I wonder if against UVA's offense, if you won't see teams playing more two three zone. Um, now, granted, Virginia has when with Hunter in the game, they can shift and they can and they can do it uh, in a way that um, that even if you went back to man, it doesn't really it, it doesn't that lineup doesn't all of a sudden become. Uh, poor you know what I'm saying like it's not like you're um, like you're switching pitchers and now all of a sudden your your right-handed batting lineup is is, is shaky um, I wonder if we won't see teams play more two three zone and one thing that I did think was interesting I do want to talk about this for a minute um, so Shashevsky goes to essentially his five guys for the entire second half now I don't know if you could do that for an entire game but you're playing zone uh, I wonder if with that piece taken out, because I do think that one of the reasons, one of the ways Virginia wears you down isn't just that by defending you uh, harder than you're used to being defended, but it's making you play more defense than you're used to playing, running you off screens and whatnot. By allowing your guys to basically stand still, you know, I mean, granted, there there's a movement in there, but I'm saying generally speaking, like they're they're not doing nearly as much running around. I wonder if you won't see more teams do that because Syracuse obviously has some success with a three-quarter court sort of press, and then falling back into a zone. Um, I, I I will not be surprised at all to see teams zone up UVA. Now, granted, not many teams have two long pieces, two athletic long pieces like Duke has with Carter and Bagley, but I, I think that, one, that protects you in a lot of ways, but two, it also puts – um, you know, it puts you in a position where you maybe you can ride your best guys um, against – against them and I, I I honestly I think it was a desperation move um you know it was like that um like that it reminded me of like that um that cheap plastic on on certain like electronics and like like that makes it look really nice and then immediately breaks Virginia just it took them a while to break it like it took them a while to get through once Hunter was in the game uh and they started to I mean they what did I say they shot like three of 15 at one point, and then they went on to shoot like 44% from that point forward. Um, like once it clicked, it clicked. But for a little while there, they were able to make some, hey, if you didn't have as bad of a first half as Duke had, um, and you made, you know, if they can make some jump shots, I mean, Trent and, and Duvall were both pretty rough. Grayson Allen struggled. I mean, like if you can do a little bit more than that um, and you play that zone, I wonder if you'll, if you'll see teams kind of do that. I, I think that this Virginia team, though, has – very few weaknesses that you can just really exploit. Like there's not a there's nothing that you can really drive a wedge into and make the make that gap wider. Does that make sense? Like there's just not a lot there for you to to grab hold to. You're just gonna have to essentially hope that they miss shots, run your stuff, and do your absolute best to to score. Um, when you know whenever it, it, whatever few turnovers they give you, you got to take care of the ball. I mean, I think playing this Virginia team is extremely tough, and 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 there are gonna be a lot of teams from this point forward, whether it's ACC player or the postseason, that are going to struggle a lot against this team. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think the versatility of your guards is huge. So, like, when you go against the zone, you can run Dev in the middle of the zone. You can run Kyle in the middle of the zone. You can run Ty in the middle of the zone or, or DeAndre. It doesn't matter. I think what 
I think Duke specifically with their two three, what it does is it keeps you from running anything at the third level, right? So the first level would be, you know, Ty and Dev on the wings, and then the second level would be DeAndre and Kyle in the middle, right? Kyle on the wing, DeAndre in the middle of the zone. The third level would be whatever Jack and or is Isaiah or Mamadi. You can't get the ball to DeAndre and have him get it to the next level because their their bigs are so big and yeah, long right. that they're going to steal the ball. Like they're going to take the ball from you. Yeah. Or they're going to trap the guy once he gets the ball. So it keeps them from being able to do that, but not every team has that kind of skill set. And like I said, I don't UVA missed a bunch of shots, but I don't necessarily feel like Duke switching to the two three was the catalyst for the comeback. I think their offense was the catalyst for the comeback. They started making shots. Um, they were able to effectively get the ball into the post and score, and they also drew a bunch of fouls. And uh, you know, like Trent made a big corner three. Um, Grayson Allen had the and one. So I mean, that's I think that's how they got back in the game, coupled with UVA just having a cold streak. And obviously that's a little problematic. You don't want that to happen. But, um, you know, with the way they play defense, they were still able to overcome that and win. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, for me, like, I'd welcome teams playing the zone against us, quite frankly. Um, Look, I agree with you that it it helps them. They don't have to chase us around on offense. They can rest a little bit, have some more energy to attack our defense. But guess what? Our our guys on offense kind of get to take a break, too. And that means they got more energy on the defensive end. So, um I mean, a lot of teams have thrown zone at us this year. We've lost once, and the team that beat us was probably the team that played more physical, as physical as we do on both ends of the court. Um, so, I mean, I, I think you're just kind of picking your poison there. It's, you know, like you both said, Duke's got some ridiculous talent on the backside of that zone. That you know, Syracuse has got some length, but, um, you know, Duke is you know, Carter and, and Bagley are, are special. It, uh, and to Justin's point about the versatility of the guards, I mean, I think that's huge, especially some of the offensive sets we were running where, you know, you had um, Ty and Devin setting screens for each other, you know, because they're, because they're big enough to do that. Right. It's when they do that and then they can you know slip the screen and run to the free throw line. Then you, you, like you were talking about earlier, you can't have the, you can't have the front guys on the zone um, kind of slouching back to prevent you from making that that pass in so granted you know duke made their little run during that during that zone but what i found interesting that happened when they went to the zone wasn't so much it's messed up our offense it's we weren't rebounding very well or our missed shots there and they got a couple a couple of those baskets they got were off of you know long rebounds that mm-hmm. got them numbers going the other way mm-hmm. um and i think that's something we would have to look to to fix, you know, as we play more zone teams going forward. Um, one thing too is that so much has been made about. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to get back into this. So much has been made about the way that people are reacting to UVA, and so then they go down there, like we said earlier, and now everybody's you know talking about, oh well, maybe they're for real, or maybe they're the number one overall seed, and da 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 da. There is a lot of basketball left to play, and. I know as somebody who wrote a column uh, yesterday that basically, you know, gave people the green light to care, um, you know, not to worry about uh, the other shoe dropping and all that stuff. I mean, they easily could get beat um, by Louisville 
by Florida State, by Syracuse. God, did I do it again? I did. I flipped them. I flipped them again, Ferber. I am conf- I am I am convinced that Saturday's game is against Florida State and not Syracuse. I keep flipping them, and I'm, I apologize. So, I, I look, I think that one thing about this is, is that, yeah, they're playing really well right now, and you could even look at this game and say, well, yeah, but there were definitely some chunks of that game where they didn't play that great. Um, they're really good, I think, at, at, at getting it together when it matters. There might come a game where they can't they can't flip that switch and and they fall off and they and they have a loss. Um, and I know that people really just want to be. I mean, I think we can all agree that like right now, people just want to win. They want to be number one in the country. Um, but yeah, it's going to be judged. Uh, the bigger the big thing will be judged. You know, obviously, what happens in March. But right now, like it's very possible. I mean, heck, you might even say likely that they're going to drop one somewhere. Um, they're going to have a bad night. Somebody's going to have a great night. Um, but man, I really, I really think the moxie that those kids showed to get down in that environment and come back and win it. I think that's special. Um, and whether it makes itself known this year or next year or whenever, um, I just really think that's important. Uh, I think that's a different sort of response than I've seen from Virginia teams in the past. Definitely teams have gone to Cameron and been close. Nobody's gone down to Cameron and essentially wrestled it back. Um, I, and I think that's, you know, that's substantial. Um, do we want to get into a little bit of Louisville uh, before we get to the fifth side of the ball? Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I just had one more thing to say about that. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. My only thing is I think it shouldn't be lost on people that a couple months ago, people were talking, or not even that long ago, people were talking about how Nigel Johnson should be starting over Ty. And, uh, and that was fine. Nigel has been an important part of this team and, um, I think he played some really valuable minutes on Saturday, even though I don't think he scored. Um, you know, he, he was steadying on offense. But, um, you know, he, Ty even mentioned it after the game. Like, you know, he, he acknowledged that he was a little shaky at the end of that West Virginia game, and he took it and learned from it, and he came up huge in this game at the end. And uh, I don't think that that should be law. I think he deserves some credit for, you know, make, having that growth and trusting himself, you know. He, he said after the Boston College game, like, he doesn't really waver with his confidence, and I think that shows. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Louisville. So the Cardinals come to Charlottesville tomorrow night in a game that is obviously going to be impacted by more than just uh, than just how good Louisville is or is not. Uh, several players uh, have been battling flu-like symptoms. Um, I, I know that there's various, you know, depending on what you hear, I talked to enough people that it sounds it sounds like there's too many too many people talking. So I'm not going to get into like specifics and you know whose temperature was what. Essentially there are some guys who are sick, a game time decisions. Let's just say that. DeAndre Hunter did not practice Monday per uh, Tony Bennett um, due to the ankle injury. Um, my guess would be that he's likely not to play. If he plays, probably not going to be able to go his normal uh, his normal sort of uh, contributions, um, which is funny because he's been so much better on the road than he's been at home, so maybe it doesn't really matter that much. Um, this is going to be one of the more interesting tests for Virginia because Louisville is long and athletic, and that's that – I, honestly, I think that's one thing about this Duke game that does stand out to me is that Zay has done a really nice job against your traditional big men or guys who are roughly his size. He's not – had to face too many guys like Carter and and Bagley, guys who are longer than him, but also bouncier, more athletic, can do more with that length. And so I wonder if, um, as, as they go forward, if that's not going to be a thing. 
Um, we all know about Mahmoud, um, the uh, pretty talented. I mean, he's he's definitely improved a lot um, since uh, since he first arrived at Louisville. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure. I've seen a kid who I could look at and say, yeah, he's going to be fine, but man, he is awful right now. Uh, more than that kid had than, than he was. But I watched a little bit of their game the other day. And I mean, I was pretty impressed. Um, granted, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to hit you up for, he's not going to go for 30 <laughs> like Bagley did. Um, but I wonder if playing Bagley and Carter isn't a nice, uh, isn't a nice way to prepare for Mahmoud and race balding. Um, but really for me, the, the piece that, that I think is the most, critical is is it's either Quentin Snyder or VJ King those two guys to me sort of make this work uh not to spoil the preview Ferber but what's uh what's your general feel for this game yeah I mean Louisville like you said they're a they're a very long team um all the even their guards I mean Mahmoud is obviously a big guy he's seven feet tall but I mean even their guards are big uh you look at Dang Adele I mean he he kind of plays all over the place and VJ King is six six um Obviously, Quentin Snyder feels like he's been there for 50 years. <laughs> um, but I, I think they're a solid team. They, they're they a team that, you know, if you go back and look at my power rankings for the beginning of the ACC schedule, I think they were a team that I thought would be middle of the pack, maybe at best. I thought they'd probably finish 7th or 8th. Um, just because I thought that the adversity that they were going to deal with was going to be too much for them to be able to overcome and have a really good year and with a first-year coach who's never been a head coach, um, you know, taking over in adverse situations. And obviously then you couple that with Brian Bowen not being there, um, the freshman that kind of landed them in the spot in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, I think they've overachieved. I think David Padgett, um, if they keep it up, should get some coach of the year consideration at least. Um, they're 6-2 and two in the league. They lost to Miami by three in overtime, and they lost at Clemson in overtime. And that doesn't look too bad right now, does it? Um, you know, obviously they lost to, and then their out of conference losses are to Purdue, Seton Hall, and Kentucky. So, I mean, I don't think they're a bad team by any stretch. They're definitely capable of coming in and giving UVA a lot of trouble. And if I was a betting man, I think I would probably take them plus the points, considering UVA's health situation and all of that. So, I, I, taking that into consideration, I think UVA is probably in for a competitive game on Wednesday night. And uh, obviously, there's some letdown potential after what happened on Saturday, but. You know, I think the team will be up for it, and, and they'll win. But um, these next two games, I think, will be will be quite the test for UVA uh, in a number of different ways. And uh, Louisville, I mean, obviously the the one thing that is kind of like lingering over this game is that UVA has dominated them in recent years, and obviously that was with Patino, and, and not a whole lot has changed from a schematic standpoint, and obviously Padgett was a part of his staff, but... I mean, maybe they're able to kind of turn over a new leaf with him, or maybe the dominance continues. I guess we'll uh, find out pretty soon. One thing, too, I want to note before Dave chimes in is you mentioned that Padgett was part of his staff. Very few times do you have what happened. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, they've had to deal with a, a really, you know, a lot of adversity and a lot of craziness. That's very true. I don't want to take away from that. But like a lot of times when, when, when a coach, gets basically gets fired you don't have a guy come in and be the assistant coach who was who was basically on his staff usually it's a cleaning house sort of situation right so a lot of what I feel like the Cardinals are doing is either very similar or in probably a lot of places exactly the same um and I'm I'm being really really interested to hear after the game from Tony like what was different versus 
um, like when they did the scout, like what was what could they have what could they use from the past versus what what Louisville's actually put out on film, you know, this year. That being said, I, I do think it it makes sense to me that it would help them, right? That their guys there was some continuity there. Um, I, I do expect Virginia to win the game. I don't I don't have a feel at all for for score or anything like that. Um, we'll we'll get Ferber's pick obviously in the in the preview. But Dave, how do you see this matchup and 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 what's your What's your prognostication on it? I mean, I, I'm just going with the assumption that we're going to be relatively, you know, relatively uh, well staffed, if you will, with with our players. Um, I wouldn't be even with the full, you know, full healthy roster. This Louisville team is good. I mean, like like you guys said, they're long. Not only they're not just long and athletic; they've got some shooters on that team. You know, Snyder and King can shoot the ball and. I don't know that it's the best Louisville team we've seen over the last few years during during the, I don't want to call it dominance the night before the game, but, you know, <laughs> the dominance we've we've shown over them. Um, it, it's a team that, honestly, I can't figure out why they're not ranked in the top 25. Like, is it because of the Dude, I was just thinking the same thing. Like, how is this team like, not ranked? It makes no sense. I mean, I understand they don't have any huge wins, but they don't, they have, any don't have any bad, bad losses. losses. Yeah. And, at this point in the season, everyone's got a bad loss. It seems like um, Kentucky lost. They got they got handled pretty easily by Kentucky. Uh, but I mean, not to top twenty five. I mean, somewhere. I mean, look at some of the teams at the bottom of the twenty top twenty five. I mean, there's no reason Louisville shouldn't be in there, unless it's just people assuming something's going to happen. They're not going to be able to play in the tournament. So why bother? Um, why bother voting for them? Or they think the uh, bottom's going to fall out at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting game. It, it's at home. If for some reason, you know, Hall or or um, Mamadi can't aren't at full strength, and then you get into playing guys who don't normally play, then you got a whole different can of worms. So, uh, assuming Hall and Mamadi are, are healthy, I still think it's going to be a, a very a very tight game. You know, Virginia if Virginia plays well um, at home, I expect them to win it. But I think you know the initial books had. Virginia favored by 12, which, which again, kind of like the, not, them not being ranked. I don't know what they're seeing that I'm not seeing. Um, and even to add to that, I don't know what Ken Palm has it, but like the ESPN um, index gives us a bigger chance to win this game than, than some of the you know games coming up, like a 92% chance. We have a bit better chance to beat Louisville, according to the ESPN, than Villanova does to beat Creighton. Um, and that just seems crazy to me. So Kim yeah, Pom has it. Kim Pom has it. Yeah, eighty-eight percent, sixty-four fifty-two. Which it's always crazy it to me how an eight-point game can be so confident, you know. But but then again, well, it's like twenty percent. You know, it's it's <laughs> yeah. Dave has this whole thing about now where he doesn't care. He doesn't care about how many points are scored. He cares about how many percentage points Virginia yeah. wins by over its opponent, which I actually think yeah, is a fun I idea. Um. All right, let's switch gears. Ferber, fist side of the ball. Take t- take it away. Okay, so Dave actually came up with this idea, and the idea is since we've been kind of bagging on other people recently, it's time we should kind of bag on ourselves. And uh, <laughs> the first part of this is just go around, and uh, we will discuss things that we were wrong about, whether it's football, basketball, whatever, uh, UVA sports, things that we got wrong. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of them. It's kind of hard to pick one. But uh, I'll let you guys go first. All right. One thing I want to say is the rule here is that we're not going to pick on any. We're not going to pick on anybody that is in current 
in a, it, we're not going to bag on any, you know, current coaches, current players, um, unless we want to poke fun at ourselves for dis, for discounting them. But we're not gonna we're not gonna be like, oh, I was wrong and thought so and so was going to be good. That's mean. So we're not going to do that. We're also going to do that. So we're not going to do that. So we can save Brad some stress. Okay. Also, we can throw stuff in at the end that we were right about just to balance things out. Yeah, we got to we got to take some victory laps. Okay, I'll go first. Brad, you go first. I got to redo my list after your rules. Wow. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, okay. I thought we had talked about that. That was going to be a thing. All right. Anyway. All right. I'll start. I thought before the season started that Nigel Johnson would start, and I was I don't know. I never actually publicly said I thought he should start in, in, instead of Ty. But I definitely said something about on a tweet, and I looked it up like a few weeks ago. I definitely said it was after the Boston College game when he went for 31. I looked it up and I said something to the effect of if Ty, I definitely hedged. It was like if Ty doesn't start to play well, I can understand. Uh, I can understand if UVA starts, you know, his minutes start to drop or no, no, you, no, no. It actually, it was in reverse. I, it was Nigel had a good game, and I said if he keeps playing this way, uh, I could see him. I, carving out a bigger role or something like that so not to say that I don't think Nigel's good enough I do I think he fits perfectly into what this team needs him to be they need a they need a point guard at times to come in steady the ship as as Ferber said earlier but I was definitely wrong about that one and oops so there you go there's my number one go ahead Dave that's the best you could come up with dude (laughs) hey listen man Look, you're not I, nobody. Nobody I said we were going to be judging each other's stuff. Okay, <laughs> I didn't have to go back to like 19, like 87. All right, calm down. Yeah. Or just review any battle. football previous season yeah. edition. Seriously, ever. Yeah, I mean, we've done been doing this podcast, so you know, I basically football is too easy for us, right? We did how many years? Like doing the podcast for six years now. So the, yeah, I, I predicted the football team to go bowling every year, and they've only done. You had them going. So. You had them winning like eight games for like three different seasons in there. Yeah, and then this year I was closer. <laughs> I had that going for me. Um, I a lot of, a lot of my bad takes were just that. Um, I, eh, I, I'm gonna not to point out one person in particular. Oh God! But going back through the kind of going back through the recent history oh and the things I was highest this on. Gonna be Jay um, <laughs> Brad's gonna have a stroke. Now I'm gonna take a whole recruiting class. How about that? Okay. That work? All right. The class of 2012 for Virginia football, I was really high on. And it turned out not to be that great of a class. And a time it should have been. Um, I, I won't go through the names just to save Brad the heartburn. But, you know, it was a class that was largely – it had some, had some good players in it. But as a whole, really kind of hurt what happened with London in his time here. And Kai Morgan. I was very high on it initially. Was Kai Morgan it, in that class? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Wait. Are we gonna Ferber? You get to go before I get to go again. Yeah. Is that how go. this works? All right. Uh, go ahead. I mean, I'll I'll go with a recent one. Well, I, I have a bunch of them, but one that sticks out is I was so wrong about the military bowl. Um, <laughs> I thought UVA was gonna beat their asses. I just thought yeah, it was I did a too. bad. I thought it was a bad too. matchup for Navy. I thought they were gonna I have a lot too. of trouble with UVA skill uh, on the edges, and I. I didn't see how they were going to really – my thought process was Georgia Tech's got better athletes than Navy does. They run the same scheme pretty much. Like how is Navy going to beat them if, if Georgia Tech couldn't? Um, and and you and they don't have the guys to guard UVA's receivers and, and tackle in space. And boy, was I wrong about that. I also thought they were going to hang on to DJ Brown, um, and they, that didn't happen either. Uh, 
But good luck to him, I guess. It just, you know, I thought that he would end up sticking. But And there's a few, there's a lot of other stuff I'm wrong about, so. I, uh, I'll go next. I, we did an emergency podcast for Philip Sims. Not me. <laughs> I was not on that one. You and I was not a part of the, I was not a part of the, uh, the, uh, the CavsCorner.com family at that time. We, I remember the breaking news intro to that one too. We did an entire podcast about Philip Sims's uh, decision and everything. Brad, do you remember that? that do you remember the Uber I'm driver the the AC tournament? I do. That was a funny I do. story. I don't think we should tell that one, but no, we shouldn't. Yeah. I, essentially, the the Uber driver when we told him we covered <laughs> he UVA, met Philip Sims. <laughs> yeah. He's well. He was from Central Virginia, right? Wasn't he from like the Petersburg area or something like that? Yeah, Hopewell? I think so. Um, and he played at Winston so yeah, Salem anyway. State or something. Yeah, or, or no, he played at Virginia State, and they, he was involved yeah. in the brawl that Philip Sims is yeah. involved in and all that stuff. So, and now Philip Sims is the coach. Which hey, more power to him. But I'm just all I'm gonna say is we did an emergency podcast, and it's the only time we've ever done one. And I, I as God is my witness, unless like the number two player in the country commits to UVA. That's the last time we're doing it. Yeah, I mean we didn't do one when Bronco got hired. Like and that could have that could have been a thing, like easily. But mm. Yeah. I mean in hindsight maybe we should have done one that night. Um but yeah, we did a whole podcast. Um so oops. Sorry. Uh Dave, your turn. No, my my next one is kind of like my first one. Like I, I've been really bad evaluating the quality of point guards we have signed and you know, committed to Virginia basketball over a number of years. I was looking back through the list and I was looking for players that I was kind of really high on, but the overwhelming majority, like TJ Bannister, Billy Barron, uh, Taylor Barnett. This really comes down to, you thought Billy Barron was going to be the next big thing. I did. That's all it comes down yeah, to. Yeah. That one big game. And I was like, this did, dude yeah. is JJ yeah. Reddick reincarnate. Even though JJ Reddick's still alive. <laughs> <I'm> still alive. <laughs> Yeah, what, what's fun? Yeah, it we had a had a run of some bad. You know, majestic map obviously was kind of derailed by injury, but um, you just look back at some of the some of the point guards that that really showed flashes and then never kind of panned out. Um, and I'm just you know, before Tony, look, the point guard is kind of what this team always was always missing. Sean Singletary came in and kind of righted that ship for a little while, um, four years, but. There were some bad misses in there, and and guys who, who really look like they fit the part. All right, Ferber, you're next. Yeah, so mine is kind of similar to Dave's. Also involves basketball evaluations. Um, two guys that I, you know, when they came to UVA, I thought they would be kind of role players and maybe end up transferring. Honestly, and uh, they ended up proved me wrong. Um, one is a former player. One's a current player. Uh, the former player is Akil Mitchell. And I didn't really have a negative I, – I just didn't know what he was. He seemed like a big guard or a small forward. Like, I couldn't really figure out what he would be when he came here. Um, and he was in that recruiting class with Joe Harris and KT Harrell and uh, – was it James Johnson? Um, I don't know. Yeah, so no he was kind of the guy I felt like was just thrown in with that group. And he ended up being the second best player in that class. And – an excellent defender and you know he's playing professional basketball now i believe so i was clearly wrong about him i mean good for him um he was a huge part of that acc title team in 2014 so and then you know 
he doesn't get a lot of talk on on this podcast or probably others. Um, but Jack Salt, man, I, I, you know, he I th- he has his limitations on the offensive end, and I think that's where I was wrong. I thought that they would be prohibitive to him impacting this team. And honestly, my thought process was, and I might have even said this, um, that Jack would start off the season as a starter um, because Tony, as you guys know, kind of leans towards um, experience over potential sometimes, um, which is fine. Obviously, he knows what he's doing. Um, But I thought that eventually Mamadi would uh, surpass him and start, and obviously Mamadi's having a nice season off the bench. But what Jack does on the offensive end of the floor just setting screens. He's probably the best screen setter in the conference. Um, and just the activity that he brings and the energy level. And on defense, he is he is so much better than he was a year or two ago as far as just not fouling. Like, how many games in the last two years were we like, oh, Jack Salt made it three minutes before his first foul. And now he almost never fouls. So it's just like, I just want to give him props because, I, I mean, I knew that he would stick around, but... I, I, I just thought he was just going to eventually be passed up and relegated to the bench. And that dude is a huge part of this team, whether he's scoring a lot of points or not. All right, let's do, let's do one more. Or I guess if you have lists, I don't have a list. All right. Um, I, cause I, I was very, I was being very political about this. Cause like after the last couple of weeks of us dogging UVA fans, uh, for stuff, I just was not interested. Um, I also was wrong about the Navy, uh, game. I was. I remember being on radio um, several times um, this season and saying Virginia was e- was either going to win or lose. So I think I was just wrong about the entire 2017 football season. Um, but my last one I'll go with um, is a is a basketball one. Um, I remember when they signed London Perantis, or excuse me, when he committed, and Devin was in that class, and there had been so much drama, if you remember, about trying to find a point guard. You need to find a point guard. They found their point guard and they added this other point guard. And there was so much like, there was so much, huh, involved in it. You know, like what? Like what? And I remember thinking like, man, this, I don't know if this is a good idea. Like I really worried that they were like, I remember being worried that like Devin was going to decommit and people are going to be super frustrated that, that, that UVA finally got this kid. They've been trying to get in state had him recla- had him decide and re- want to reclass, and then they went and took this kid from California. Nobody knew about. And then um, London played, and he redshirted. I remember that was the first UVA game yeah. I ever covered, and I was like, you know, there was some talk going into that game that one of them would redshirt, one would play, and everybody just assumed Dev would play and London would redshirt. And he had London trotted out on the court yeah. off the bench, and everybody was like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. And then he started the most games of any player in the history of Virginia basketball. Like it just, I mean, it does, it does kind of, it's, it's, it is a, it is a cautionary tale for me when it comes to recruiting. Like everybody's dogging Kihei Clark, you know, cause he's tiny or whatever. And I'm like, listen, you never know. Like you just don't, like you don't, you, you, you can't, you, you can, you can rank kids and you can compare kids in a class and you can say this kid's this height or this weight and this is what they need and this is what they have and this is you know the skill set but you don't know the way a kid can improve um and you certainly don't know um and and I sometimes think about you know Tony and recruiting like like he's looking for specific things he finds those pieces more often than not I'm not saying every kid that he that he gets he develops but more often than not those kids turn out pretty good 
um, he turns some, he can turn him into something. And so like kid like Clark, I mean, you might think he's too small, but I mean, I'm gonna wait and see. Um, cause I learned my lesson with, uh, with London, uh, Dave, what's your quote unquote last one? Oh, luckily we got to this one because I have to speak up. I haven't gotten to what I have two listed as my favorite and I'm trying to decide, I'm going to let you guys decide which is the worst cold take of all time. Um, they're both football coach related, but it's like staff related. Uh, John Tenuta. <laughs> Oops. Or Greg Brandon. Oops. Both of those guys, I was so huge on what they could bring to the team relative to what yeah, they were replacing. Yeah. And I, I think I had to lean towards Brandon being the worst because he essentially became nothing after four games. Um, you know, because they scrapped the offense at that point. But I don't know, Tenuta was I was pretty high on Tenuta too. And but he, he did have some glimpses. Yeah. Brandon never yeah, had. Yeah, I mean like Tenuta was the better coach here, but I, I was more lukewarm on him than than Greg Brandon because the offense just needed something different. And he had a pretty good reputation. Tenuta was pretty average when he got here, though. Like, I mean, like, everything he had done at other jobs had been pretty meh. Like, he, he got a lot of blitzes in. Like, you know, he, he did a few things well, but his defenses were pretty average. And I was like, well, it'll be, an, you know, an improvement over what they have. Um, and, you know, he's a seasoned coach. But that dude, I mean, I'm not trying to throw people under the bus, but, like, go ask Andrew Brown about that dude. Like, enough said. Like Andrew Brown is going to be or a don't. second round pick in the NFL draft, <laughs> and that dude didn't want to play him. Like, yeah, he that's might end up being like, a first insane. round pick. Like, and and then Bronco got here and was like, "Oh, this dude's just sitting around." Like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like let me do, let me let me see about doing something with this. Now, you're I mean, right. he also said Bronco revitalized right, go ahead, Dave. his career. Keep going. So, yeah, and he got super emotional at the end of the uh, after the um, the military bowl. Talking about how he saved his career and and didn't like, know where he'd be. Just like Drew was a is a thoughtful kid, but yeah, he was like, I don't know where I'd be right now. And like they asked him, and he was like, I just honestly, I don't know. Like I just really thought that you know that was some that was some real stuff. I mean, that kid was it was was laying his heart out there, no doubt. All right, go ahead, Dave. No, that's good. That's all I had to say. I mean, Greg Brandon, I was so. so wait, high you on. said you had a list. Just, Where's your list? No, no, I was saying, I was saying, I'm glad you continued because on my list, I had my number one saved. My number one was debating between those two, which was which was the worst take, Greg Brandon or 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 John Tenuta. And I'm gonna have to lean towards. I was so high on Greg Brandon, and that was not good. Mm. Uh, Ferber, what what are your yeah, last ones? I mean, ones? you guys kind of hit on a few of them. Um, a few players that I kind of thought would just be. I was kind of questioning the take when they you know when they got them, but and these are Mike London recruits, so. Um, I mean, the current staff is doing a good job of evaluating guys, but I think Mike's staff did a pretty good job of it too. Um, Chris Peace, I never thought he would be like a starter. Uh, he was just kind of thrown yeah, into class for depth, I, I think, late. And I was kind of like, all right, whatever. Um, but we'd already seen that happen with like Devontae Walker and a few other guys, and they didn't really pan out. But but yeah. Peace, man, he's a player. Um, he led the team in sacks this year, I believe. Um, so he should be a big piece coming back. Also, Bryce Hall. Um, I was like, okay, this is just a guy, like, I don't remember, I think it was, I think we had this conversation that, like, when they, when he committed, like, some of our rivals people didn't even really know who he was, like, that's usually alarming for us, we're like, uh uh-oh, you know, or like, they didn't know, like, what he was good at, or whatever, so, yeah, but Mm -hmm. I mean, he's obviously good. Other than that, I mean, 
I've, I've been wrong on a lot of games. Oh. Like, I mean, I. I just, I just, I just thought one. Uh, I thought Kurt Benkirk would be a dual yeah, threat. Yeah, me too. I really thought he. That's would That's one of the things I got right, though. Well, they kind of said he would. So, yeah. well, I wonder if they thought he was too, and then it just didn't pan out that way. And then they were like, yeah. "Oh, well, you know what? Though he's yeah. got a cannon." They're like, "Let's just do that." Um, I, I feel like there was another one I thought of while Dave was talking a minute ago. Um, I have I there have been a lot of kids. I, I all right, let, we, we're going to get to take victory laps. I knew Joe Reed was was going to be money. Okay, I told y'all. I knew I knew Donnie Dallin was going to play as a freshman. That took so much heat for that. Do y'all remember that? Like I remember posting. I remember going to practice. And be like y'all, this kid's going to play. And they were like, whatever, man. Like uh, Kamara is a higher rated re- receiver, and if it, it, he's going to play, and I'm like, no, no. I'm telling you, Donnie Dallin knows where he's supposed to be on the field. That kid's going to play. And he was playing special. And then when he played, and he was yeah, and he was like, he was like, he was he was where he was he was where he was supposed to be. Um, but I, I remember saying the same thing about Zacchaeus, and people are like, nah, man, no way. And I'm like, dude, I'm telling you. Like, and his thing was, I remember I was there, um, too, and we were talking about it. We were like, that dude's playing. Because he was listed as a running back, but yeah. he was like playing. He was kick return, and all this. I was like, that dude's going to play for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then, um, and then then Joe Reed, I remember telling people, like, y'all, I know that he didn't have a bunch of offers, but I'm telling you, that kid can play. Like, he's a physical specimen. I remember Adam Friedman telling me at, at Rivals Camp at uh, at um, Collegiate that year. He was like, UVA is going to be lucky if they can hold on to him because he really thought that schools would see his film and, and freak out. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take those victory laps. Um, anything you guys want to take credit for that you were right about? <laughs> Mike, Mike Moore, is there a red shirt? Oh, there wow. it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> my goodness even he admitted it i can say right, it an just. hour and five um, minutes in and yeah and i dave, mean if dave i mean dave goes staff, there i mean a lot of people get crazy about redshirting um i think this staff is is pretty careful about what they're doing but i mean obviously there there are examples of of them you know playing a guy in one game or whatever but that that kind of stuff happens i think the last staff took some liberties with with some of the red shirts um <laughs> is that all you had um, dude Yeah, I think that's yeah. I mean, kind of. Honestly, I mean, my hot takes. I'm kind of. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't like to pat myself on the back. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right yeah, more than that's I'm a wrong. standard, right? <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, only a couple I had written down. Um, I think it was Grayson's second year, Brad. That like you, Justin, you might have been there too at the open practice, and we had seen him as a freshman, and he, his arm was love. And then like that first open practice, his second year. He looked like he was thinking, and he was the backup yeah. to Watford. A lot Watford, of thought he was going to start yeah. that year, and Brad and I were like, "Yeah, something's just not right." Like he, he, he not she's not trusting his eyes, and his mechanics look off. Um, and I think we even said it on the podcast we'd be we'd be wouldn't be shocked to see him not start, given how confused he looked. Um, sorry, that's a bad hot take, but it was right. Um, well, sometimes good hot takes are actually bad, so you know. Yeah, Eli Harold. I mean, seeing him early, no you way. Tell he's going to be a player, and even though yeah. <laughs> one of the highest rated yeah. kids they signed, <laughs> I'll, I'll take a picture of that on that. Yeah, Dave's, I'll, Dave's I'll over Sean here trying Moore. to take. I thought he was Dave's over here good. trying to take uh, victory laps on four star kids. Stop it, Dave. <laughs> no, let's try that. No, really. I mean, bad. one like, one example is like, I, and I'm not saying it was me, but 
uh, a lot of people were ready to give up on smoke pretty early in his career. And I was like, yeah, he's just not, yeah, they're not yeah, being used right. And I honestly, and honestly, yeah, they don't like, know what they're doing. this is not a knock on him at all. This is actually the contrary. I honestly think looking back on it, he might have been better off from a football sense of going to one of those other schools that he was considering. Just because the, it was just a better yeah, fit for what his fair. skills were. And I don't think the staff used him right until the new staff arrived and they only had him for one year. And, and at that point, it didn't really matter how they used him because they didn't have enough stuff around him to make a difference. But um, yeah, I mean, the two things that stick out to me that I know that I got right that um, is Kirk Banker transferring here. <laughs> um, I remember that because. Oh, he, yeah, that was yeah, you, he, wasn't he, it? You he called announced that. Right. he was leaving ECU and I was like, this dude's probably going to come. And because Ruffin was here and there were some signs and he had the skill set and I knew about him because I knew he got hurt. And you guys were like, nah, man, they got a bunch of quarterbacks already. <laughs> like they, cause they took somebody else. I forget who it was. Maybe just cross. And it was, and then he had, hey, yeah, I predicted Ruffin coming to UVA. Cause I went, I went back and found the Anai. I remember I that. Like, oh, yeah. My, the other good. thing that, and it's, this is going to send, you guys might laugh at me, but it's very easy for me to say this now. Um, 10 years later, but I was right about Tony Bennett. <laughs> like, I remember. I don't know, man. Jury's still no, out. But here's the thing, Jury's though. Still I out. remember. I like, I don't know. I follow college basketball pretty closely, so I knew who he was. He was the national coach of the year at Washington State. I understood then, like, how hard it was to win at Washington State, so I knew he wasn't exactly playing with a, a stacked deck, at a, even though he was at a big school. Or, a, you know, like a power school. Um, when he took the job, the name obviously was out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But I knew who he was. I knew he'd been at Wisconsin. Um, and I remember reading, like, that he was coming. And I was like, okay, this is a good hire. Like, I'm really excited about this. And then I went to the message boards. And keep in mind, this is I wasn't really active on the boards or anything. I was pretty young at the time. But, like, I remember reading, like, so many people were freaking out. I was like, are people not liking this? And throughout that, oh yeah, throughout the day, people were out. like, oh, this is a terrible yeah, hire. A, I don't even know who this, it was apoplectic, apoplectic. And then man. also people didn't know who he was. And I was like, do people not know who this dude is? Yeah. Like, it was a big deal. He took a team to the Sweet 16 last year. They lost to North Carolina. And I remember like. Oh my gosh, dude, I got to yeah, tell go the story. That's all I, I wanted tell to say story. though. I remember okay, I, I was on the hype train early. No, no, no. I just, I just totally remembered this. Okay. This this is what we'll end on because I bet you that there are a lot of people out there who have a story like this. Okay, so I remember that day that my uh, my dad, one of my dad's best friends, uh, is technically my godfather, but I'm not sure how that all works when it's you know actually a thing. It's a, it's but anyway, a thing. It's definitely one of my dad's best friends. Okay, okay. Uh, one of my dad's best friends drove us to UVA games like my whole life. Okay. And I mean, the dude is—he is your—he is, cl- is the classic UVA fan. Like, he gets excited about wins, but man, he gets super, duper stressed about like losses and anything bad. And um, if there's any hint of pessimism, man, he doubles it up, right? And I remember he called me that day, and he left me a message, and all the message said, okay, was t- was Tony Finn Bennett, and he hung up. That was it. And to this day, like he is the biggest Bennett dude in the like Bennett could like he 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 walks on water to this guy, right? And to this day, every once in a while, he'll see me and he'll and he'll and he'll recount that story. And I wonder how many people had that exact reaction that day. 
how, like talk about talk about like the absolute wrong take. Um, so many people who that day were so frustrated to this to today. If if it found they found out that like the Milwaukee Bucks really were trying to hire Tony, they would freak out. Um, yeah, I just think it's funny. I just that, I was in like a bubble, and I like I mean I, I hadn't talked to anyone about it. So like I just read the story. I think it was Jerry Ratcliffe or somebody who broke the story. Um, and I remember reading it and being like, "Oh, okay, that's a good hire. Like I'm excited about this. This will be good." And he's a young coach, like a lot of potential here. And as soon as I wanted to see what anyone else thought, because I didn't talk to anyone about it on the message boards, I was like, "Oh, I guess I was wrong. I guess it's a bad hire because everybody seems to be freaking out." <laughs> but I think people were just so caught up in like the <laughs> other names and Tubby Smith. I mean, could you imagine if they hired yeah. Tubby Smith now? That's yeah. so laughable. Like in the and even if you just look at it on paper i didn't understand how people were so mad he was the national coach of the year like the fact that they were able to get him was pretty good like i I don't know i thought at least on Cavs corner i mean there was some initial oh yeah i mean before he coached a game you know like people people were already like oh well let's see what he can do you know but but people literally had done the flight aware thing and had Toby Smith in Charlottesville right before the announcement and blah, blah, blah. I remember it was insanity. I'll give Walt the heads up on that one. He told me nothing to worry about, dude. I used to watch this dude late at night when I was working. He can coach his team. All right. Off. Well, good job on Walt. Yeah. Um, well, Walt. I uh, think that's a very good place to put a pin in it. Uh, we hopefully have managed to have a podcast without any uh, potential drama. Uh, nobody's going to yell at me and tell me uh, that we need to do something different. So that's good. Um, want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. As always, want to thank uh, Dave and Justin for giving so graciously of their time. As always, um, we'll come up with um, with uh, with uh, some kind of other non dramatic topic next week um, to to talk about at the end of the show. Um, so for, uh, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.